Before we get started, just a quick heads up that the deadline for early bird pricing for ACSA's annual Distillers Convention and Vendor Trade Show is fast approaching, and we're looking forward to gathering in person this December 4th through 6th in Louisville, Kentucky. Visit AmericanCraftSpirits.org to register. You'll also want to head to the website if you make whiskey, because registration is also open for the third biennial Heartland Whiskey Competition which is generously sponsored by State Corn Association Marketing Boards. Thanks. Through hard-won experience, I have some perspective, especially with that, the brewing distilling thing. You know, it's kind of like, I've, yeah, I've seen that, been through this shit. And, uh, and, I'm, and I wanna try and help uh, craft distillers maybe get through some of that without some of the pain that the brewers went through. From the American Craft Spirits Association and Craft Spirits Magazine, this is the Craft Spirits Podcast. I'm John Page, and today on the program, Lou Bryson. Lou has been writing about beer and spirits full-time since 1995. He was the longtime managing editor of Whiskey Advocate, and he currently writes for outlets like The Daily Beast, WhiskeyWash.com, and our very own Craft Spirits Magazine. He's also the author of Tasting Whiskey, Whiskey Masterclass, and four regional brewery guidebooks. Lou recently joined Craft Spirits Magazine Editor-in-Chief Jeff Cialetti for a conversation about writing and recent trends in spirits and beer. Without further ado, I'll let Jeff and Lou take it away. For starters, um, you are somebody who is equally revered in beer and in whiskey. So I want to f- hear from you how that came to be and how you still managed to kind of have a foot in both worlds and be successful in both. Um, well, you know, I'm channeling Michael Jackson. That's the whole thing. <laughs> that's that's always, what, always been my plan. Well, somebody um, had to do it. He's dead, so somebody yeah. had to take his place. Well, that's it. I mean, everybody kept trying to take his place in either whiskey or beer. And I'm like, this leaves a path for me. Um, no, it was, um, I think, I mean, honestly, like it was with Michael, I think it was something I just kind of fell into, but I have been able to maintain it. Um, and honestly, mainly through dint of, I, I really like drinking beer. Um, I think if I didn't really enjoy drinking beer as much as I did, I probably would have fallen away from it, about writing about it because, um, I mean, speaking from a, a business standpoint, and, you know, we're always reminding ourselves that um, distilling and brewing at the end of our businesses, so is writing. Um, speaking from a business point, uh, whiskey pays better. Uh, spirits pays better. Yet there's more opportunities right now. There's less competition. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people out there uh, writing about beer, wanting to write about beer, and willing to write about beer for next to nothing. So... It's kind of hard to um, to get a good gig right about beer anymore. Um, so um, I think the thing that has helped is um, using that thing that I, I do have, which is the, the perspective. Um, I mean, every time I look at uh, craft distilling, it's not a, an exact parallel. Um, the timeline's somewhat more compressed. Um, there's obviously some uh, real differences between um, the uh, established uh, producers as, as compared to what the established producers were in brewing. But, um, I mean, there are a lot of things that, uh, that I can talk about that, that are in both worlds, and that has afforded me the opportunity to continue to talk about both. Um, that said, I mean, I used to do um, computer tech support and finally quit because it was just so hard to keep up with. And brewing is getting to be like that. <laughs> it's just, um, I mean, there's over 8,000 breweries just in the United States. Um, they continue to pop up in, in Europe and, and Asia and even Africa now. Uh, of course, Australia has been popping along for a while. But um, and completely aside from that, they've gone in wildly different.
different directions. And there's the whole hard seltzer thing, which everybody seems to want to make now because it, you make a lot of money on it. Um, there's the fruit thing, which has gone crazy, just adding straight up fruit pulp into the beer, lactose, just all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, there's a, a sizable curmudgeon uh, segment in, in beer that just, ah, that's my beer. Well, you know, that's, that's nice to say, but at the end of the day, it, it's sold the six pack and it's cold and it's about that strength. So, um, you, you know, I wrote four pieces on hard seltzer and people are actually talking about me as an authority, which is it's just insane. Um, anyway, oh, and all it uh, takes is four. I mean, the, the segment's been around for like four years, you know? Right. right. <laughs> that's, that's about three more than most people have written about it. So, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I enjoy both, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I've been able to uh, stay somewhat current on, uh, on brewing. I, I remember reading an article a uh, couple of years ago about um, getting to my age. You know, I'm 62 now, and I'm not as, what, nimble? anymore um but i have i mean and that's what this guy was saying he's like look you know i can keep trying to be the um the writer the thought worker i was when i was 30 or i can acknowledge that i have different strengths and skills now and i mean he once he realized it he like quit his job in a week he was running the think tank and he's just like yeah i don't want to do that anymore i'm running too hard to keep up i'm like yeah yeah, I'm running too hard to keep up here. I'm stuck. So I'm, um, I mean, this thing I'm doing for uh, ACSA is, is perfect. I love writing that column. Um, we love you writing it, so I'm glad you want to keep doing it. <laughs> <yay>. <laughs> it's, it's a chance to, to step back and, and look at the, the whole of the thing rather than just like little bits. And, I know. I, re I mean, I realize most of my columns do seem to be looking at little bits, but I mean, I, I'm thinking of it in the whole scheme of it. And that's, you know, I think that's, you know, um, I am able, I have a, I have a, a, a skill for uh, making complicated subjects accessible, which is, I mean, essentially what I did in my, in my two books. And I think I also have, um, through hard one experience, I have some perspective, especially with that, the brewing distilling thing, you know, it's kind of like, I've yeah, seen that been through this shit. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I want to try and help, uh, craft distillers maybe get through some of that without some of the pain that the brewers went through. Always assuming that I'm not Cassandra and nobody's listening to me. <laughs> so, um, you know, so that on that topic of, of making complicated things simple, um, do you find that some of the writing out there is overcomplicated and uh, sometimes a little too pedantic? I do think we have a problem with that um, because, well, I mean, to be honest, some of it's deadline driven because you've got to come up with something. Yeah. Um but <laughs> um, I think that you have to keep in mind that what you're doing is communicating. So you're you're like trying to be not just a you're not just regurgitating stuff. You have to do something with it. Um, you know, if you're just uh, like if I just wrote down what a distiller said to me when I asked them you know, this yeast strain you use, what makes it unique? If I just wrote that down and then and all I am is a transcriber, you know, I'm not bringing anything to the, to the equation. So what I'm doing is asking them, ask another one, ask another one, ask another one, and start like pulling on the threads that are, that are similar and then look at the things that are different too. Um, so I think we have to get, um, you know, to be useful, I think the writing has to be broader. Um, I mean, there's always going to be a time for laser-like focus. And, and to be honest, sometimes you can't avoid detail. 
Um, but I think, you know, unless you're writing a text in which every single number is important, I, I think you, you do your uh, reading public a disservice by kind of hiding behind detail. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you go too simple, who, who wants to bother? Um, it's a it's a balancing act. I mean, it's the same thing as when I, I remember one of the least popular assignments I would give out when I was at Whiskey Advocate was we have a slot for a 350 word piece. I'm like, eh, eh, right? You don't want to get it down to 350. You either want to go a thousand, or it's like, eh, here's. 50 I mean, you words. wrote you basically wrote your lead and you're done. You know. I know. <laughs> I know. And uh, and you know, I mean, I know a couple of writers that I worked with who were like. You know, good exercise, because you really have to strip all the shit away and get directly into what it is you want to talk about. I remember there was a, a series of things we did that were 100-word shots, and that was it. That's all you had. And, you know, you had to, I mean, as an editor, you have to be careful not to hand out something that you can't do, and you just simply cannot do in 100 words. But by the same token, you have to be ironclad and say, nope, 100 words, no more. That's it. And, you know, eventually you get some, you can get some really good writing from, and I, you know, I was about to say from really good writers, but that's how you make really good writers. Um, you know, I, I've had a number of, of, of writers, well, a number, okay, I can count them on two hands probably, who, you know, thank me for the help I, I, I gave them with their pieces on at, at Whiskey Advocate. I mean, Fred Minnick, for one. Um, Fred has thanked me, Liza Weiss, too. Uh, Jake Emmon. You know, Chuck Counter even thanked me once, which astonished me, to be honest. I thought Chuck pretty much had it down, but he's like, yeah, you know, you moved those pieces around, made it a better piece. Like, cool. That's, you know, and that's, that's part of it, too. Um, you know, sometimes with the writing, uh, sometimes it needs editing because um, the, the writer has been too close to it and too far into it. I know, I mean, I still hand in um, stuff to uh, Noah Rothbaum at Daily Beast and Noah will cut out like five paragraphs and I'll look and I'm like, damn it, I wrote this, that was hard work. And then, you know, you calm down, you read the piece, like, yeah, yeah, you're right, that really didn't. No, it didn't need that. Kill your darlings. Sometimes exactly. You need, sometimes you need someone else to kill your darlings. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, I mean, I know I found that with the, um, the books. I wrote um, like the seven brewery guide books before I wrote the whiskey books. And I, I still remember the, that first manuscript that I got back with all the red ink on it. And I was just furious. And now, you know, I get back tasting whiskey and there's red ink and I'm like, Eh, okay. You know, it's like, okay, this one I'm going to fight, and this one I'm going to fight, and the rest of it, sure, why not? Um, all right, so one of the things, uh, before we move off of the, the topic of writing, I, I really want to ask, like, just from your experience, the spirits writing community versus the beer writing community, what's your, what are your observations of and how the dynamics of those two differ sort of within those communities since you've been a part of both for some time yeah well actually that's what i'm that's the thing that stands out to me um i mean like i said i'm 62 so that i won't say that kind of weighs on my mind but i mean i'm conscious of it and i gotta say age of the writer seems to be much less of an issue in spirits writing because uh, the well, beer writers... That's refreshing to know as, as I'm getting oh, yeah. older. <laughs> yeah. Um, beer writers, it's getting to where, you know, if they're, I don't know, if they're under 40, I barely understand them anymore. Um, and I, I, I realize how old I sound saying that, and, I, and I'm exaggerating to some extent. But, um, yeah, it's just like... Uh, issues and and topics that i'm like really oh, okay and i'm not talking about like um i mean they just had a a major well we discussed it a major blow up on um 
sexual and, and social issues right. in, in craft brewing. And, you know, that's not, I'm, I'm all there. If somebody, you know, I, I'd love to write a piece on it. I don't feel that I'm up on it enough to, to write a piece tomorrow, but, um, you know, I could dig in and do one. Um, no, nah, it's stuff like, um, oh, sourcing of materials and are we sourcing them from the right places or should we be sourcing them from uh, smaller farms? I'm just like, are they, are they good materials? I don't, I don't understand the, the, the issue here. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like we've, we've gotten deep into the weeds on, on stuff that I can't taste in my glass and I really want to taste it in the glass. Um, and I don't, I don't know, I was always, I was frustrated with beer writing for the longest time because uh, all it was, was a, well, here's America and here's a bunch of breweries and they make these beers and they're good and I rate them this, 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 and this, and here's Europe and here's these beers and breweries. And, and I was just, uh, you know, wine writing is so much better than this. And, and it was to some extent, but I, I almost feel like spirits writing kind of jumped over that. You know, we do have things like Murray's Whiskey Bible and um, what the uh, Jackson's Single Malt Guide that have, has been carried on by other people. Uh, but it's nowhere near the totality of the of the of the of the body of work, which for a while in beer writing it was. You know, it's like nobody seemed to want to do anything else. Uh, and every now and then you'd get a um, uh, a book like uh, John Hall's Think Beer, Drink Beer, uh, that was, you know, just a great bunch of essays. And then we'd go back to doing a bunch of reviews. Like, I mean, for if nothing else, all that shit's online. You know, yeah. you don't, if, if you're going to go long form, you need to do something in long form that long form suits, especially, and that's changed today. Well, one of the things that, that I find frustrating, you know, as as a as an author is um and a, a prolific long form author. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean it's all good. I just don't no, hey, no, but I mean it, it is good and they wouldn't keep asking you to do it, would they? Well true, true. Um, I have a good agent, what can I tell you? <laughs> um the uh my my thing is and, and again I'm 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 hoping they don't hear this because they're probably gonna rescind my latest offer, but um, but but what frustrates me is everybody wants a cocktail book, you know, because I I write more or less I wouldn't say exclusively in spirits now. Obviously, my full time job is with ACSA with Craft Spirits Magazine, so ninety nine percent of what I do is going to be spirits, and probably ninety nine percent of what goes into my books now is spirits, except when I'm writing about sake, which, you know, is not a spirit, <laughs> even though a lot of people think it is. Yep. How many times I have to correct people, but, you know, so, you know, those are sort of where I'm doing most of my writing now. And there's, there's going to be a little, there's a little bit of beer too in the new book that I'm doing too. But um, one of the things that frustrates me is that uh, they all want it to be a cocktail book. Um, you know, I, I write narrative nonfiction, you know, that's basically what niche I was shoehorned into. And, which, which, by the way, I've got to say, doesn't get anywhere near enough respect. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They, but, fiction in general. But, but I think that the issue is it doesn't sell. And like you said, you know, obviously it doesn't get the respect because it doesn't sell. And, you know, they need to pull some, someone in by, you know, with, with these cocktail recipes. And, you know, the first book I did, I didn't do it. I only had like 18 cocktail recipes that were kind of an afterthought at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got a little smarter because they started talking about, yeah, more and more cocktail whiskeys. By the time I wrote The Drinkable Globe, I think I had like um, you know, 130 recipes. Oh, my God. And, wow. You know, and, you know, and then, but then, um, you know, even with the, the, the sake book, they wanted sake cocktail recipes. In it. But then the last one, Drink Like a Geek, it was like um, – you know, it wasn't it wasn't pitched as a cocktail book. It wasn't pitched. It was meant to be like a pop culture book. You know, where it crosses over with with drinking. And sort of at the eleventh hour, they come back in and they said they want some 
cocktail recipes, they never really stipulated how many. And I was like, all right, I'll put some in there. So I initially had like 10 in there. They're like, we need way more than this. Um, oh my God. And so like during the editing period, I was just adding cocktail recipes to it. And I think I ended up with somewhere around 30, maybe 25. Wow. I can't remember. And and it ended up hurting me because, I mean, actually, Drink Like a Geek was the book that sold the best for me. So I'm not complaining at all because it's actually yeah, no, way better I, than I was going to say, my, my daughter really enjoyed it. Well, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. She had to review it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, I'm glad people, yeah. it, it does seem to be connecting with some people more than a lot of the other ones did. But the, the main thing, though, when the bad reviews come, they really sting because, um, they're not they're not casting aspersions on my writing which would sting more obviously and they're not um it's just that there's this uh a couple part of it is the marketing you know they marketed it more as a cocktail book and it wasn't and then people's expectations weren't met and then they were like there weren't enough drinks in this and then another person wrote there weren't enough drinks about the walking dead in this and they gave it one star you know and it's just like (laughs) it's like okay maybe maybe you need to figure out that maybe just because it didn't turn out to be something you didn't think it was going to be doesn't make it a one-star book maybe give me three you know yeah, yeah come on yeah um, I mean, so the, anyway. the, the bad reviews that i get are all about um uh, i i wish he would have more guts and and review whiskeys like not the book i'm writing said so from the beginning i'm like i don't know i don't yeah, know yeah and it's like I, I hate doing reviews and you know and i did a bunch yeah. of them and in um in sarcopedia but it's like you don't don't trust my opinion no. you know it's no. like just um just go out and try it for yourself but anyway yeah, but that's, I mean, that's, I think yeah. i'm the only person in the world that liked the woodford reserve sonoma contrera finish but that doesn't mean i'm an idiot <laughs> <laughs> well we we do share an affinity for the uh oda pickle from wiggle i mean oh okay yeah, cool I, that was fun that was good, and I and I, I put it in a in a red snapper the other day too, and it was oh phenomenal. cool yeah. See, that's the kind of thing it should be good for, right? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Although and I then, gotta say, the pickle cups were very nice. <laughs> oh, I don't think I got the pickle cups. Oh no, I made them. Oh, you made them. Oh, you made. Them. All right, I was gonna say yeah. I thought it was like you're saying it came with pickle cups. <laughs> no, no, no. I just I got some big dill pickles and cut little shot cups out of them and hollowed Oh right, right. Yeah, I did see that. You're right. I saw a picture. Of that. Yeah, no, yeah. I just cool. I just fooled around with it on Facebook, and then. Uh, put the eau de pickle in there and shot the whole thing right in my mouth. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great thing. I'm glad, you know, they only did like 600 bottles of it, but it's something I look forward to every year if they do it. Yeah. Year, but, um, yeah. but yeah, so, I mean, I guess, you, we, you know, um, I don't know where I was going with all this talking about books, but I think it's just, um, it, just the state of spirits writing. I mean, I love being in spirits writing and I love it, but it does have its quirks because in beer, people are expecting tasting notes and, you know, and in spirits, people are expecting cocktails. Things are very, very cocktail driven now. And I'm, one of my dream projects that I'm probably never going to get to do is I just want to do a book about drinking things neat. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The anti-cocktail book. Yeah, but it would never, no one would ever go for it because they're, well, yeah. where are the cocktail recipes? Like, do you realize this is like, <laughs> if you must drink cocktails, here are your goddamn recipes, you know? <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> One little chapter all the way at the back. And I don't get me wrong. I, I don't. I don't need to bitch about well, cocktails. I, I, mean, I think I've written maybe three cocktail pieces in my life, and it's easily over half the pitches I get are are for cocktails. Like, yeah, and it's like there's only so much you can write. Read about my it. shit. Come on. And it and it's like um and the other thing is too like everyone always asks me oh so you. Are you a bartender? Are you a mixologist? I'm like, I'm like, would you ask an entertainer reporter if they were a movie star? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, I don't know, but it's 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 a fun space to be in, but it does have it's you know, I I would like to see more neat consumption of things, and you know, it's yeah, or at least just um, tasting them. I would like to see everything become kind of the possibility of doing like a boiler maker with not just whiskey and things like that and see what kind of works and all that sort of thing but you know yeah the very yeah first, i mean i think that the dutch have it right with the i'm never gonna pronounce it right but the cope the with it's like it's i'm probably not pronouncing it right but it's i think it basically means headbutt but it's uh-huh. um you get like a little two ounce pour of geneva 
and it's basically a boiler maker with Geneva, you know, and whatever beer next to it. But the way you uh -oh. drink it first is you kind of oh, when it's filled right up to the rim. Yeah, yeah so you have to kind of slurp it, and you you sort yeah. of bob your head to slurp it. That's where it gets its name. So that's yeah. like, things like that I like, because then you're you're drinking the Geneva neat, but then you're also having your beer, and it's, so it's. I, I think the Boilermakers, I would love to write a book on the Boilermaker. That would be, be great. I think that was know, that's something that would like, sell. Like one of those little format things like Kara did with the Nightcap, which is just such a beautiful book. Oh, yeah. No, she's, I, I love, she does these like little ones. Yeah. Now sort of various, they're almost about specific drinking occasions. And I like, she sort of cornered the market on that. And it's really yeah. cool, you know, like, yeah. and then there's like road soda. Like these are the, like the short ones to go and all, you know. So. <laughs> Yes. So yeah, she's 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 great that way. I really really love yeah. her. Yeah. And um, but yeah. So anyway, we should probably get back to get up back on track and stuff. But I got like where this conversation's going though. Oh yeah. Um. So you know, one of the things you mentioned um you mentioned since you mentioned hard seltzer, um I want to kind of get your take on where, how much harder it makes for, like craft, you know, ready to drink cocktails. To actually compete, since most of the public doesn't really know the difference between a malt-based beverage and a spirit-based beverage, I I think it makes it a lot easier, um, and I think uh, I think it's going to be a huge potential breakout for for spirits. I and mean, I just got um, even though they can't business. compete on price, though. Well, see, that's it. They're they're very concerned about that. Uh, there's a I mean, there was just a thing in Beer Business Daily, um, a like a coalition of everybody in beer, from the, the little breweries to the big breweries, the wholesalers, everybody is fighting um, a proposal in New Jersey to let uh, spirits-based canned cocktails be sold in the same places as beer, like everywhere, the same as beer. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, a lot of... One of it's not even price, it's access to market because there's, I mean, well, I mean, Pennsylvania, you can't sell spirit stuff. Right. You can only sell it in the, in the state stores, um, of which well, there are Virginia, so I, I, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what they're trying to do is um, get access for, I don't know, sometimes it's like 12% and under packages with spirits. Um, they're trying to get, um, tax equivalency for lower proof spirits. Uh, I mean, they're working away at this. Uh, Discus is working on it. The producers are working on it. Um, I, I don't know if it's my column coming up or the last one I did, but I mean, I'm... I'm you, you, you did mention, I think, in the one, it hasn't run yet. It's coming out in the yeah. next year. Um, yeah. And I don't think that's going to make me popular with brewers, but I, I mean, I just think it's a, it's a bogus distinction. Alcohol is alcohol. You know, and if you are under twelve percent, there's that's where beer plays, and there's not, you know, there's no like scroll came down from God that said this is how it's supposed to be, and anything else is unfair to beer, because that's what they're really saying. Like yeah. uh, we we've had this way a long time, and it hasn't been fair to alcohol, and to change it or to spirits, and to change it would be unfair to beer. Well, no. No, it's unfair to the consumer, is what it is. No, I think it's a, I think it's an opportunity for spirits, and I think, I mean, here's, so take a, uh, a hard seltzer that's flavored with, I don't know, pineapple, all right, and then it's like what? Okay, white claw pineapple, and that's all it says, you know, because it can't say with real tropical rum or, to, and then Bacardi has a um rum and seltzer and pineapple canned cocktail but it says bacardi on it people will pay for that and they will pay for that and they already are um you know canned canned branded cocktails are selling um even with the price differential i mean beam has got uh highballs which which are good um and they're selling for 10 bucks for a four pack and that's, you know, that's hard seltzer prices. I couldn't believe how much a 12-pack of hard seltzer was. Good, 12-pack uh, is 24 bucks. Really? For sugar water and, uh, it's crazy. It's not. 
Wow. Yeah. No, that's, I, mean, I guess, it, well, you don't even get me started on, on the alcohol free spirits and what they charge for those. <laughs> <laughs> what a racket. <laughs> I mean, when I look at a bottle, I'm like, wait, that's, that's actually the price of a bottle of gin. Like, you know, wow. <laughs> how do you get that? Come on. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I, and, and, you know, to your, uh, neat book, you can't really drink those things neat. What you, you know, cause about? that's like what alcohol free spirits. Oh, alcohol. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. I thought you yeah, I'm like, Oh, I drink gin. <laughs> no, no. If you taste alcohol free spirits, neat, you realize the emperor really doesn't. Oh have God. Yeah, no, on. no. I've tried a lot of them like at, at BCB in places, especially, you know, yeah. cause they were definitely taken off in Europe before, they came here and um and I tried them I'm like this is like how are they not just calling this botanically infused water you know it's just yes yes this isn't a drink this is a mixer yeah exactly <laughs> I'm like I'm sorry I'll pay 30 bucks for a mixer come on I, I don't know I, I mean what do you think I mean do you think that that's um, that segment, the non-alcohol quote-unquote spirits, nobody can see me doing the air quotes because this is a podcast. Yeah. But, but I mean, the alcohol-free spirits, do you think that that's like more of a situation where there's over-investment in it right now than eventually it's going to level off? Because that's that's my feeling, but I'm not sure. I, I have to say, I've been watching, and again, I'm doing the two-feet thing, non-alcoholic beer, is having a serious moment right now because it just suddenly got a whole lot better. Um, I mean, I remember, you know, 15, 20 years ago, somebody would say, Hey, can you do a story on non-alcoholic beer for me? I'm like, because non-alcoholic beer just tasted like camel sweat. It was just oh, yeah, not yeah. good. It was sweet. It was disgusting. Um, it was the same thing with gluten-free beer, too, if you remember it started out yeah, like ass, but yeah. then it actually got good. It got a lot better. Heineken flew a bunch of us over to Amsterdam, and yes, I accepted a free trip, and they had us over there. And... Who among us can throw stones? <laughs> Come on. Uh, I've never been to Amsterdam. Um, but they took us over there, showed us the brewery. We drank fresh Heineken next to fresh Heineken 00, and it was amazing. Um, I mean, honestly, the big difference seemed to be that Heineken tasted like alcohol and, and the, and the brewmaster was grinning and he's like, that's because everything else is exactly the same. They'd been, they said they'd been working on it for 15 years. He said, you know, 15 years, I, I better get it right. Or I should find another job. And, you know, and it's part and parcel with everything else. I mean, we're getting these craft, uh, brewed non-alcohols that are, I mean, really, really pretty decent. I don't think it's going to translate, um, you know, unless you do it with canned cocktails, maybe. But I just think that um, the things that make a beer drinkable, I mean, or a beer enjoyable, you can fool yourself longer. I don't really want to say it that way. Um, the, the alcohol is not as much of a component of the experience with beer as it is yeah. with spirits. Right. Um, Cause in spirits, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the experience with spirits, th there's the, the bite, the snap, the heat, whatever you want to call it. There's the uh, conveyance of aromas on alcohol. It's just like, a, you know, a fluid bed taking stuff into your nose. Um, and that's not going to be there. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's going to work for spirits like it does. I mean, sure, um, a really good mocktail. I mean, yeah. yeah, you can make it interesting. You can make it good. I mean, I've drunk Bloody Mary mix with ice cubes in it and been perfectly happy. Well, that's it. It's like I, I feel like the mixers already exist to make a good mocktail. You have great juices yes. out there. You've got – you can, you know, make your own juice. You can – um, you know, you want something, you want something botanical, you can just like infuse your botanicals in water for a little while. Yes. Like you would if it were vodka or something, you know, like if you want to infuse botanicals in vodka, it's the same thing, infuse it in water for a couple of weeks and you'll get 
you know, basically the same effect you're going to get. And I also think um, it probably won't be, especially on the craft side of things, I don't necessarily think you're going to see that many craft distillers embracing it because I just feel like from all they had to do just to legally be in business to make alcohol, which was like a higher barrier to entry than, than beer yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, then suddenly they're going to be like, well, I didn't start this business to, <laughs> to not make alcohol. That's you know? a fair point. Yes. I mean, granted, you know, they can, they could sell it at a price point that can be very profitable without having to worry yeah, about taxes. Maybe they can. I, I, I keep thinking that price point isn't going to hold up. But that's, I've always been like a fan of the, the breweries that, you know, make root beer, you know, that's the sort of thing. Yes. Like when I go yes. to a, a brew pub or whatever, and I want, and I'm not necessarily going to drink beer the whole time. I'll try the root beer because I like root beer and I like that yes. they made this root beer. You know, I don't need uh, a sort of, you know, even though they are, the non-alc beers are getting better. Um, I, I don't necessarily need to have a beer at that moment. If I'm not going to be drinking alcohol, I'll drink all the other wonderful beverages that have existed without alcohol outside of the beer industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like vegans making stuff that tastes like me. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah to me, like the that? perfect, the perfect <laughs> non-alcohol beverage to me is an Arnold Palmer. That's all I ever want to drink when I'm not drinking. So it's yeah. like, and that in itself is sort of a cocktail when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said for, for good tea, good lemonade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not trying to be anything else. No, so that's, that's yeah, I don't yeah. know, but that's just that's just me. I'm sure there's a market for us. Smarter people than I, more wealthier people than I are making these decisions. So maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, it's it's interesting to see a play. But I, I don't think my my thought is I don't think it's you know because somebody was asking recently. I think it, we're taking like a media question, you know, about is it starting are like non alk spirits starting to cut into market share and I'm, my thought was well no but no. i also think that it's not i mean it, it exists for someone it's not going to take somebody away from alcohol it's if anything it's going to be someone who never drank who or actually used to drink doesn't drink anymore but you know wants something with that kind of flavor or if they're not drinking at that moment if they're pregnant or something like that but they're going to go back to drinking alcohol you know at some point yeah, and they're also. I mean, it also means that um, their friends can still go out with them. Yeah, you know, because they don't have nothing to drink. They have something interesting and fun to drink too. Yeah, but you know, I always feel like seltzer with any shot of whatever looks interesting. You put a lime slice <laughs> on it, and you know, it's like. Yeah, I'll go along with that. I guess I'm I'm just a cheap date, I guess. I don't know, but that's... <laughs> um, well, that's I mean, you know, I was drinking those, and not to be all branded, but those Beam Highballs, they're just so simple. It's bourbon and seltzer, like a squeeze of citrus. That's it. You know, it's nothing more than a, than a highball. And I'm thinking, this is freaking genius. Yeah, no, you I know? mean, highballs because are making I, a comeback. I, I gotta be honest, a lot of times with the canned cocktails, the problem is that something, some little thing is off. And the fewer little things you have, less chance of something being off. Yeah, and also I think, and of course, of course it's it's Beam doing it because those things, you know, ready to drink um, uh, highballs uh, were starting to take off in Japan. So I think they were probably testing it over oh, there. Oh, yeah. Because like, they, yeah. they have a highball culture there, you know? It's like they'll drink... Oh whatever the the lowest end Suntory whiskey is and they'll mix it with you know seltzer but you know like from now like I actually have really learned to embrace highballs especially if I'm at a wedding or something like that because usually the bar sucks and you know yeah. it's like they'll, they'll always have Johnny Walker or something on that level and you know they're always going to have you know seltzer or club soda or something so it's like you know that's that's what I've been getting a lot lately because it's just yeah, it's safe fallback. Too, so it's um yeah it, it's 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 definitely something to watch I, I think we'll probably see i wonder if uh the craft guys are going to start getting more into the the um the highballs because right now um that doesn't seem to be where the focus is on rtds in the craft segment no no i think we're doing we're doing maybe uh more complicated than we have to well, and on the no, other side of it, like they're it. not doing complicated at all, too. It's like you're either doing, you know, you've got some people that are doing, um, you know, palomas and things like that. And then you've got, 
you know, vodka sodas, which a lot of them are doing too. It's like, really, does this need to be ready to drink? It's not that hard to make. <laughs> you know, that's all hard seltzer is though. Yeah, I know. You know, it's a vodka soda with a squeeze. That's all it is. And people love it for the convenience. I cannot believe the amount they'll pay for convenience. But no, I agree. I mean, you know, you could, if, if hard seltzer is going for 24 bucks for a 12 pack, you know, what's a bottle of vodka and some seltzer cost? I mean, hell, I got a soda stream. I got a bottle of yeah. vodka. I just beat your 12 pack out and it's probably better. But on the other hand, you can pick that thing up with one hand and put it in the back of the car and we're gone. And I'm like, wait, I'll make you another one. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's yeah. good for those venues yeah. where, you you know, beaches. The only thing is then they could, then they tend to just throw a 12 pack in the fridge and drink them when you could be drinking them anyway. Cause you get used to it, but. Well, yeah. also, no one's been going anywhere for the past year, so it's... <laughs> also true. Also true. After a quick break, more from Jeff's conversation with Lou Bryson. This podcast is a production of the American Craft Spirits Association and Craft Spirits Magazine. ACSA is the only registered national nonprofit trade group representing the U.S. craft spirits industry. Through conventions, webinars, publications, competitions, special programs, and more, it's our mission to elevate and advocate for the community of craft spirits producers. Learn more at AmericanCraftSpirits.org. Craft Spirits Magazine is the unparalleled resource for in-depth insight and intelligence for the entire craft spirits universe. The bi-monthly digital magazine features the information and analysis that small, independent spirits producers and allied businesses need to operate in today's complex craft beverage market. To see our latest issue and subscribe for free, visit craftspiritsmag.com. To kick off the last half of the program, Jeff asked Lou to think about some spirits-focused trends he's glad to see and some he'd like to see go away. Well, uh, for one thing, uh, the continued um, strength of rye whiskey has to be just, you know, I'm very excited about that. Because uh, I've been I've been champion rye for like 20 years now. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy to see rye's not just uh, come back. I mean, rye's being taken completely seriously and treated as an equal at the at the table. Uh, and I think that's fabulous. Um, uh, along that same line, um, it looks like um, not only does it look like Canadian whiskey is finally getting uh, some some credit and respect, I'm actually seeing some craft distillers start to look at the Canadian model and think, I could do some shit with that, which is even better because yeah. you know the Canadians, I love them, <laughs> I really do, but. They're working on really narrow margins a lot of the time, so they don't do a lot of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a long talk with uh, Don Livermore about this, and Don was like, yeah, you know, I mean, some of those things are really good, but they didn't sell enough. And I'm thinking, wow, I wonder what not enough is for a company that size. <laughs> you know? we, we weren't able to fill a whole freaking tanker with it and sell it, so we're going to have to stop. And I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is a niche. Um, and it's not obviously not just, although <laughs> most of the craft distillers I see trying this stuff are not Canadian because they're oh. all like, we're not gonna make that stuff, we're gonna make like single malt and bourbon and anything but this. Which you know, that's just rebelling against your parents. Which okay, I get that. Well, you can <laughs> say that about the entire, you know beer thing too like what i used oh to call God, the, yes. like i used to call the broomerang effect which was like suddenly <laughs> um you know we we were we adopted these you know say english styles that like ipa and pale ale and stuff and you know we made uh, eventually made really good versions of them and then you know i go to the uk wanting to drink their versions and for a while you could but now everyone just wants to be making american style ipas yes. and pails and it's like i don't really want that when i'm here you know and and you know the same thing sort of happened in belgium too it's like it's i want to go drink belgium. belgium i want to go big yeah. drink belgium now they're making ipas i never thought in a million years they'd be drinking i they'd be making ipas in belgium honestly i'd almost rather have a pilsner yeah <laughs> no, so would i <laughs> 
I am not. Um, I'm not an IPA fan at all. So that's why. It just, oh no, I enjoy drinking them. It's just I like to have a choice. Yeah, I've never know. been a fan. I never enjoyed them. I mean, I was just like. Oh, but there's, there's. I know I'm in the minority in the beer world. Now. Well, I know, but it's like you just. <laughs> it's just IPA has just become. Uh, just a placeholder for hoppy. You know, it's just the, anything can be an yeah, IPA. Yeah, it's as not even that like, anymore. It's just something you put on a label so it'll sell. Yeah. You know, that's what the, I mean, that's the joke in brewing. IPA actually stands for increases profits automatically. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you put it on a label and there it goes. Well, I thought that um, was, I thought that was seltzer now, the hard seltzer. Oh, my the God, yes. oh, need an acronym wow. that spells seltzer. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Preferably something derogatory. Um, what else? Um, stuff that's pissing me off. Well, you know, I joke about it, but I really don't understand why people don't like Aquavit. Um, oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a, well, like I said, I, in, when I um, wrote a piece about it, I, I think it's a, it's a blank slate because people don't know what it is. Hmm. So you don't have to make it. Anyway, you can just, it's like savory caraway, which is not the most, popular spice in the cabinet um but you know on the other hand it makes a fantastic bloody mary yeah i don't know that's a minor thing um i prefer the the, the more dill forward ones i think was it the swedes that do more dill forward ones it's... yeah and then you know it's like that look at one guy said <laughs> uh, you don't really get guys uh, walking into a bar and saying hey you know something I'd really like a drink that has a lot of caraway and dill in it. Do you have anything like that? Well, yes, sir. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Um, but I kind of like to see, um, and I don't think this is a, a problem of the distillers. I think it's a problem of the, of the drinkers. I'd kind of like to see more gin. It's starting to happen. But you always get this feeling that gin is like just something you're making until your whiskey is old enough. Uh, you know, you know, I mean, I, 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 you know, I think the thing is that, that Europe had like the huge explosion with gin, and I've been dying for that to happen here. And it, to some extent, it is, but yeah, everybody's so whiskey obsessed here, and that's it's always going to be like a second-class citizen, it seems. See, that's, I mean, if there has to be, if there was a big thing I was going to launch on, latch onto that I'm not really happy with, it's. The number of people who just think they have to make whiskey to be a good distiller, and I'm like, you know, I have a similar problem. I like, um, I like barbecue. I like smoking things. I've got a smoker. I'm going to get a, a bigger one, um, and I don't really like brisket. And there's this attitude in the smoking community that if you don't smoke brisket, you're not a man. I'm like, <laughs> what, what kind of bullshit is that? And it's the same thing in distilling with whiskey. You know, if you're not making whiskey, eh, you're not really serious. Like, okay, first off, people drink the shit out of vodka. Yeah. Right? And, you know, most craft distillers can't make a, a vodka that is, you know, price competitive. So go make a vodka. Or, you know, don't, actually. Um, but gin, you know, make a gin and make a gin that's really different and good and, and gets people crazy and then start messing with it and do an elderflower gin or, a, you know, like you were saying about Aquavit. I mean, gin is a blank slate, too. I mean, you, the only yeah, thing that's you're it, required I mean, to have is juniper in some quantity right. and it's not even specified. It does how much not it have is. to taste like Tangare. It yeah. can, but it doesn't have to. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that that we're we're too obsessed with whiskey, and I realize I sound like a some kind of hypocritical freak saying that, but um, you know, there's there's more to more to spirits than that. I mean, there's spirits we haven't even we haven't even touched. Um, just remember, ladies and gentlemen, the book is called Whiskey Masterclass by <laughs> 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 uh, Yeah, it's just. Um, I don't think everybody's cut out for making whiskey, and I think I, I get that kind of get that feeling that they're forcing themselves into it because yeah. somebody, you, you're not a man if you don't make whiskey. I would, come on, what about rum? Right, you know, and, and I think rum suffers from this 
Um, well, it's not really rum because it's made here. It's not made in the islands. It's not made in Venezuela. You know, I mean, Massachusetts was a major rum center. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so come on. We can do this. We can do anything. Hell, we can make agave spirit here. It's not going to be cheap, but we can do it. Yeah, there's there's a lot that I mean. What do you think? I mean, you know, you brought up vodka, and the TTB recently sort of updated its definition of vodka. Do you think that that's going to have uh, that might light a fire for people a little more creative with it, since they can it can have character can, now apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I honestly, I'd kind of like to see um, some more experimentation with uh, substrate, like what you're making it from. Yeah. Um, and God, as far as that goes, I'd really like to see more Oda V. Um, oh God, yeah. Right? Oh my God, I had some stuff at uh, Koval that just blew my mind. Um, uh, Sonat tried me on a uh, a Sunchoke Oda V. Which, oh yeah. Oh my God, I'd never even have thought of that. That was fantastic. Yeah, and also like um, you know, in in Germany, I've had like. Uh, not even Sunchoke, but like Jerusalem Artichoke Eau de Vie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how do you even ferment that? You know? <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine brought home a carrot Eau de Vie from Switzerland. I'm like, really? I don't even like, ooh. Oh my God, that's good. You know? Yeah. That's, you know, I keep thinking this, um, I don't know, do you know Henry Price, importer? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I remember talking to Henry, oh God, this has got to be like 12 years ago. And, uh, and I was asking, I was interviewing him, and I said something like, you know, is there anything in your portfolio that you feel um, would be really good if people would just give it a chance? And he just kind of get this wistful look, and he's like, I am completely ready if America ever decides they like ODV. I've got a whole bunch of it, and it just doesn't sell. And I felt so yeah. bad for him, because I'm like, I, I will do my best, sir. I just think we don't have the, the problem is we never had the culture for the digestion, right? Yeah, thing or even the aperitif. I guess it could be as well, but it's it's like you know, in especially in the um, most parts of Western Europe, they have some version of it because that's just been part of their culture, and it's never really right. been. I guess part of it just goes back to drinking was never really a ritual for americans and well and and it was it was considered you know kind of yeah um i remember uh david wondrich wrote a one of the cocktail columns he wrote for uh whiskey advocate was on the frisco cocktail which is just benedictine and brent on bourbon and uh he was talking about how he first came across it it was uh joe mccarthy the the senator oh yeah yeah um yeah, making Truman sound like uh, some kind of elite uh, snob by saying, oh, he was out in his barge drinking bourbon and Benedictine. And, <laughs> and everybody's like, ah! And Wonders is thinking, that sounds good. <laughs> and that's, you know, but that's the kind of thing we do with that. If anybody gets too fancy, we cut their legs out from under them. Yeah. You know, and I remember, I remember having a, a we, I was, again, I was on a whiskey trip, um, but I was in Canada. I was actually in Toronto and um, Stephen Beaumont was there, a really good friend. We, we've been friends for a long time and uh, we had this meal and they come around. So like, well, would you like dessert? Would you like cheese? Would you like this? And I'm like, what do you have in the way of eau de vies? And, and Beaumont's just like, yes. Yes. So like, we're sitting there drinking. Um, oh, what the hell did we have? We had uh, apple mar, mark. I don't, I don't know how the hell it's pronounced. I think M -A -R -C. it's mark. Like you mean like Thomas Mark? mark yeah, 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 yeah. And so we're drinking that. We had a little bit of grappa. We had a little silly, but I mean it was perfect for the moment because we were, you know, it was either going to be that or I don't know, Underberg. Well, there's a good place here in D.C. Actually, um, a uh, it's a Swiss restaurant, and they Ooh. do like raclette and things like that, and and they do have a pretty decent. Uh, I guess they would call it schnapps. I mean, I guess if they're oh, German, sure. I mean, it depends. Yeah. They could call it schnapps. They could call it. Eau de Vie. I, I think. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, the, the list. Yeah. The, the list they call it schnapps. So I guess they're leaning into the German side yeah. of Switzerland more than they are the French. But but that's great. You yeah. know, I mean, and I think that's. You know, I, I remember um, I did do a column on uh, education, 
and think that's you know if you want to sell that stuff you got to educate people on when and how and why to drink it um so that's that's kind of on you i mean i remember having this discussion with um canadian whiskey sellers they're like yeah you know we can bring the stuff down to america but Nobody knows how to drink it or when to drink it because they're all, and they didn't say it, but they're essentially like, yeah, they're all drinking Canadian mist and ginger ale. Yeah. And if you're going to, you know, if you're going to bump up to something like a Gibson's 21 year old, you're going to have to learn that, you know, you don't just tank it into ginger ale because you're like, damn, this ginger ale is expensive. Don't do that, maybe. <laughs> but the education, education takes a while and it's not cheap. Yeah, so. I actually, one of my rejected book ideas was I wanted to do one, well, because there's certain ones that I would, I want to do, and there's certain ones that they'll let me do, and it's like, the one of the ones I wanted to do was I wanted to do one called Brandy Trails, and it was just like, basically drinking O to V through oh. all throughout Europe and also South yeah. America, you know, with, with like, oh, uh, sure. you know, Pisco and, yeah, um, yeah. and what's the Bolivian one, um, Singani, yeah. Okay. Oh, so yeah, I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, that's the one. Um, what's his name? Steven Soderbergh's got a brand that he brings up from Bolivia now. It's, okay. He when he was making that movie, that it was like the that really long Che Guevara biopic when like his his like Bolivian location manager or something brought him a bottle as like a, <laughs> as a launch gift, and then he just uh -huh. fell in love with it, and now he just he imports nice. the brand that he. Yeah. He calls it Singani 63 because that's the year he was born. and so, But, you know. So that's so the, a labor of love. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, he, he makes, I mean, he's, he's an Academy Award winning director. I mean, I don't think he needs. <laughs> no. No. But he says he, he, I mean, the way he talks about it is like he would much rather be just doing the booze full time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he refers, he refers to directing as his day job, you know. <laughs> there's, there's something that is pissing me off, all these uh, celebrity brands. You know, just because George Clooney sold his for what three hundred million? No, it was a million. Oh my God! Well, he got he got half of it because he was partnered with. Oh, right, partnered. Okay, but he still but, made a, I mean, half a billion. It's not necessarily going to happen to you. <laughs> no, it's you not. Know? It's not going to happen to many people. Ain't going to happen to us. <laughs> no. Um, so, all right. So we we were off on on O to V. Um, I really want if anyone is listening and, and also you you would probably if you want to do that book on brandies it's yours <laughs> your name has more cachet than mine so you might be able to yeah, sell that one <laughs> um, I, I doubt that anyone's going to ever want me to do anything but whiskey again I yeah uh, I just feel limited you don't you love being pigeonholed yeah no <laughs> 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 So yeah, we uh, talked about we okay. So we talked about the the trends that you like. Let's talk about the trends you don't like. Well, the celebrity endorsements. Oh yeah, very good. Um, you know, I didn't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want that one getting away because it's really, really annoying. Because I mean, it's like a. It's almost like a chain restaurant. It sucks all the money and oxygen out of the out of the area. Because um, when, I don't know whoever comes along and uh well michael jordan uh with his tequila you know comes along and then you know people who have been toiling in the vineyard for years get shoved aside and everybody runs to do stories about michael jordan's tequila so and i mean you know no i'm not gonna say i'm sure it's good i don't really know to be honest i haven't i haven't tasted it so i'm not gonna say that uh but well, we just saw uh, proper number twelve. You know, sold for how much did he get for that? Four hundred million. Um, Conor McGregor. Oh right, right. Um, His yeah, yeah. That was yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm sorry, I have had it, and it just didn't do much for me at all. And he sold the rights for four hundred million, and that's you know that's money that could have developed another brand. Um. So, so that is a trend that, that upsets me. Uh, oh, you know, we're still getting um, sourced whiskeys that lie about being sourced whiskeys. Why are we still doing this? It's 2021. Knock it off. Or, you know? don't, or, don't, or don't make whiskey. Or don't, well, you're not even making it at that point. I mean, right. You know, no, like, you're not even making it. All you're doing is making a label. 
it goes back to what you were saying. It's like, you know, why, you know, make a gin. Don't make it just because you're waiting for your whiskey to be ready. Cause you have yes. to make it, you know, make a really good brand, you know, and make, yeah. I, I mean, it's happened, you know, some people there are, you know, a good number of uh, distillers out there who aren't making whiskey and focusing on other things. And that's, that's great. But I, I feel like there needs to be this, I don't know, critical mass or something. So enough people, or like, okay, I guess it's okay not to make whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe just the realization that there's so many whiskeys, you're not going to make money on yours. Right. You know, um, which again, is kind of like the celebrity whiskey thing, because I'm sure there are good whiskeys that aren't going to make it because, and, and again, I saw that in, in brewing, you know, good beers didn't make it just because there were so many labels on the shelves. Um, right. So yeah, that's a, that's definitely a thing. Um, I just, I mean, <laughs> just happened to be looking at, um, at this one right now, the one I put up on the Facebook group, the happenstance. Oh, cool. And I mean, it's, it's a name happenstance whiskey celebrating life's moments that happened by chance distilled in Indiana. Guess where that, I wonder where that is. <laughs> I wonder where that came from. <laughs> you know, just say so. Yeah. Like these people make really good whiskey and they let us come in and pick out some barrels. These are the ones we liked. What's wrong with that? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you want to do that. Transparency is important. It's again, like yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't turn my nose up at source whiskey at all. I drink a lot of it, but I just want yeah. to know. I, I mean, I, know. most of the time I know, but I'm saying I would, I want them to own up to it. I want it to be on the label. And, right. you know, I, I think, I don't know. I guess there's a stigma that needs to be removed about it. I don't know. But yeah. generally if, if you're, if there's a new distillery in town that's, you know, been around for a year and they're selling five-year-old whiskey. Year old. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my God, they've got a time machine. <laughs> yeah. No, no. There was just one. I can't remember what the hell it was. It's like selling grandpappy's recipe, more of that bullshit. And they've been in business for two years and it's 13 year old stuff. So like, what? You, like, 11 years before you decided to open the company, you went to a, a, an established distiller with nothing in your pocket but a dream and had the just get out of my door. Get away from like, oh, <laughs> and even I'm sorry. I, yeah, I got a little That's inarticulate it. there. <laughs> we, we, we like, we like passion here on the Craft Spirits podcast. I guess the only thing I didn't really ask you about was because I, I asked you for a story recently about um, American single malt, like your thoughts. I know it brings it back to the whiskey mm. thing, but I mean, yeah, no, I mean, no. That. I have been tasting some American malt whiskeys that are a hell of a lot better than they were. You know, I mean, and which is to be expected. Everything in American craft distilling is a hell of a lot better than it was. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the last four years have just been, you know, a huge step forward. Well, especially um, when you got so many people and eventually, you know, you need to stand out because now you've got right. something like 2,500 distillers. So it's... Yeah. And I mean, if nothing else, you know, you, and I don't want to say monkeys and typewriters, but you know, eventually you're going <laughs> to find some people who do know what they're doing. Um, actually, we're going to be um, on that... Uh, uh, sip of knowledge show I do. Um, we're talking to Jake Holshue next week from Rogue, oh, cool. and man, talk about a complete turnaround there. And Rogue Spirits were kind of scary, and I I happily sit down and open a bottle of them at any time now. So yeah, I mean things just things took a while, and happily not everybody went out of business before they got good so. yeah. well i think it kind of started as almost an afterthought for them you know it was just something else to do and oh, it yeah so yeah. long we're talking 20 years ago i think they started distilling and it was just you know they eventually had to get good if they wanted to stay yeah. in that business well that's what you know i remember um at uh well what was then mold advocate uh sam calgioni at dogfish head sent us an early sample of whiskey and I still remember John's email. He sent back to me. He's like, Sam, this is not good. You really shouldn't sell this. <laughs> and I mean, he had sent it to us in a freaking jam jar, right? Uh -oh. And Sam was like, oh, 
Okay, and they sold gin and vodka for like the next 10, 12 years. Didn't go anywhere. And now they're making some pretty good stuff. Yeah, well, so, now they've also expanded beyond Delaware. For the longest time, it was only like four or five years totally, ago they left yeah. Delaware. To, yeah. So they, they got really serious about it recently. So I mean, they're definitely... And they even, you know, they have a cocktail bar in Rehoboth too. So like they're... They got really serious about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which is what you have to do. Yeah. You know, you can't half-ass this. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. As, um, as Ron Swanson said, don't don't <laughs> half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. That's right. Absolutely right. <laughs> and that's what these guys making whiskey are. They're half-assing it. Whole-ass your gin. <laughs> That's our program for today. Thanks to Lou Bryson for joining us. You can read his latest column for us at craftspiritsmag.com. And you can find him on Twitter. He's at Lou Bryson. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with Philip Ladner of Cathead Distillery. Until then, thanks for listening and cheers. Cheers.